Thank you for tuning in to our Bold as a Lion Ministries podcast. Uh, for more teachings, uh, go to boldasalionministries.com. Uh, we have all of them posted weekly. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe to our iTunes, Google Play. Uh, use all those resources, play and download as much as you possibly want. Also, we're running a Project 500 campaign where we're trying to get 500 sponsors at $20 a month uh, to go towards our media ministry so that we can make it bigger and better for you every single week. We hope you enjoy our teaching. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. I don't know if we're ever going to get through this passage. Romans chapter 12, we're still there. <coughs> Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, right? Where are we at here? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Verse 19, if all were of a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker... Okay, I already read all this. <clears throat> Verse 24, which are more presentable parts do not require. So it's... Uh, I'm just going to read verse 23. And those... And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Watch this. That there may be no division in the body. If I truly, watch this, we don't become one until we learn to value one another. If I value you as a part of the body, and you value me as a part of the body, there is no division. Does that make sense? If I value you, I'll write that down. Okay, guys, I'm so sorry about that. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 25 says that there may be no division in the body. So, here's the deal. There is not one part of your physical body that you do not value. If you were to, even if you didn't like what it looked like. Oh, I don't like what my ears look like. Well, cut them off. You wouldn't cut it off. <laughs> right? Even if you didn't like something about it, you wouldn't remove it. First of all, it would be painful. It should be equally as painful. Listen, if I am in a church body and there is any gift lacking in that church body, it should be painful. Yeah. If I listen, if I am in a body of Christ, if I'm in the church, if I'm in a church congregation and there is any gifting that is lacking, my body should be hurting. The church is hurting, whether I like it or not. It is lacking, it is hurting. It is not being what it could be. Make sense? Make sense? It's good. That doesn't mean that I should leave that church, though. Think about that. Well, this this body right here doesn't have all the gifts. I'm going to go find one that does. Stop it. Stop it. Don't leave that body. Stay there. Because they need your gift. You see what I'm saying? What you have is... Hmm, that, that church body just needs some therapy. That's all. Leg's not working right, so we got to start doing some therapy. Get that leg working right. You see what I'm saying? We need to disciple and train and raise up. We don't need to just leave. That's what people do all the time. Well, this this church doesn't have a very good worship setting. I'm going to go over here to a church that has good worship. Why don't you do something about it? 
Why don't you bring your church through some therapy? You know? Now, you got to be submissive to your leadership. If your leadership doesn't want to change, well, then, then, then you can't do anything about that. Then maybe I would never counsel somebody to leave a church. I just don't want to do that. Because I do believe that that's the part, problem with the churches, that people keep leaving. And no one stays to help. See what I'm saying? I would never counsel somebody, hey, leave your church. I would never do that. Look, if God has called you to that church, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be helping. Don't overcommit. Don't come to some commit something though you weren't willing to give everything to. You know? Alright. Verse 25. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and, in it, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prophets? I mean, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess, five, uh, 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 possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret it? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Okay, that's so weird. The question is implied no, right? The answer the answer is implied no, right? Do all, it says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Implied answer is no. Verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Wait a minute. He just said, God has appointed the church first apostles. Second prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. And then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. <clears throat> By the way, did you see, did you notice that? How he lines it up. Apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. They, he just put, well, I want to show you something. He, he, took, he took some offices. There's apostle, which is an office, prophet, which is an office, and teachers, which is an office. Then miracles. It doesn't. Miracles is not an office. Anybody can operate in miracles. Next one. Then gifts of healing. Anyone can operate in healing. It doesn't mean everybody does. That's what he's saying. Do all? It's the implied answer is no. I don't think it's saying that this is the way it has to be. It's actually saying this is just the way it is. Make sense? Not everybody operates in all of these, right? Okay. But the scripture says, earnestly desire the higher... Okay, so how are you How are you going to build a whole theology off of a passage and say, well, not everybody can do this, right? So you know what people do? Here's what people do. They take a list, and instead of saying, hey, what are the possibilities? They say, hey, what can I not do? Most of the time when people look at the spiritual gifts list, the first thing in their mind is not, hey, what can I do? It's actually, well, that's not my gift. Well, that's not my gift. Well, that's not my gift. That's not me. Oh, that's not me. That's my. It's a process of elimination. The giftings, the the spiritual gifts lists are not designed to be a process of elimination. They're not designed to be a, a list of disqualification. But that's how we approach the spiritual gift spiritual gifts list. We come to the spiritual gifts list and we say, well, I'm not qualified. Well, that's not me. Well, that's not my gifting. And that is. 
the majority of the talk, when I talk to somebody about spiritual gifts, well, that's not my, my gifting. Well, what is your gifting? Have you even tried to get a gifting? Have you even tried to... Most people don't even know what their gifting is. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know what my gifting is. That's because you don't desire them. Scripture says right here, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's right here. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. You know what the higher gifts are? Any gift you don't have. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that again. The higher gifts are any gift that you don't have. You know why? Because there's something... What's higher to you? Something that you can't attain. Anything in your mind that you say, I can't attain that. That seems above me. See what I'm saying? If I go over here to this guy and this guy operates in gifts of healing, and I don't, then a part of me honors that. I want to, I want to have that. You know? That's a higher gift for me. Scripture says it's okay to desire those those higher gifts. Does that make sense? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And the next one says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And it starts talking about love. Does that make sense? I know this is slightly different than what people teach. I think that when, Jesus, when, 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 when Paul was talking about these gifts, he was saying, are all? He was saying, no, they're not, but guess what? You may desire them. See? Why would he tell us you can't have them and then right in the same passage say earnestly desire? There is not any part in this in this teaching that says, hey, you just can't have some of those gifts. Some of those gifts are not for you. There's nowhere in any of these lists that says it straight out like that. Hey, you can't have that gift. It's not for you. There's no scripture verse that says that. In fact, it's scripture verses that say the opposite. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. It actually encourages you to go for them. Make sense? Jesus said that. If you believe in me, anyone who believes in me will do the same things I've been doing and greater. What did he operate in? Freaking all of them? Except tongues? This recording? All of them. The only one that I don't know that he did was tongues. But Jesus prophesied. Those who believe in me will speak in new tongues. Jesus prophesied that tongues would come. Jesus didn't teach about spiritual gifts. What I mean by that, he didn't speak about spiritual gifts the way that our teachers teach about them. Our teachers teach that, hey, you can't have all these gifts. That's what they teach. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said the opposite. If you believe me, you'll do the same things I've been doing and greater. Go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. The only list that he gave was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and cleansing the lepers. There's... In, in Jesus' spiritual gifts list, there was <laughs> heal the sick, raise the dead. Hey, that's not even in Paul's deal. Raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the leper. That's the only list that Jesus gave. Jesus didn't give any list and teach them as doctrine. He didn't say, well, this is for some people and this is for different people. He never said that. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll do the same things I've been doing and greater. That's cool. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We're going to teach on this and then we'll close out. I just wrote on here. I'll read it again. I already said this. But what we tend to do is use these lists as a means to disqualify us from, from the work of the ministry. Saying, oh... Well, that's just not my gift. But instead, we should use them as a means to attain faith for them, not as a reason to disqualify us from them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Now, these are 
these are these are slightly different. Okay, um, I don't necessarily think that um, that people can't attain these either. Okay, because I do believe <coughs> as you grow, you enter into into these offices. In Ephesians chapter four, when he says he, he's talking about the Godhead, the whole thing. Because every time he talks about it, I'll just read it. And therefore a prisoner, I, therefore a prisoner for the Lord, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. <coughs> um, I, therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us, watch this, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he, had, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Okay, that might be talking about Jesus here. Yeah. In, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. Okay? Alright. So... It says right here that he gave these, whether it's Jesus or God, okay? He gave, watch this, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, teachers, and then the saints. Saints are not disqualified from ministry. So many people, they think, oh, well, these, this is the work of the ministry. Those five peoples, they're the only ones who can do the work of the ministry. And that's just a total butchering of the scriptures because it says right here, he says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the saints are called to the ministry. Amen. If you get born again, you're in the ministry. Welcome. Hi. Okay, you accepted Jesus? Awesome. Welcome to the ministry. <laughs> you know what the word ministry means? Service. Serving. The act of serving. If I minister to you, that means I'm serving you. If I'm ministering to you, it means I'm serving you. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teachers, the saints. What's the difference between these five and this one? These five equip this one. And this one is a much bigger group. So where do the, where do the gifts fall? All the other gifts, this is called your fivefold ministry. This is your office of the apostle, office of the prophet, office of the evangelist, office of the shepherd, and office of the teacher. It's, it's a calling on your life. What is it? The saints are for the work of the ministry. Who, are the, who do the saints minister to? The lost. So you have these five, and then right below the saints is the lost. The brokenhearted. Anyone in need. The saints minister to the hurting. The five 
minister to the saints, to equip them for the work of ministry. These people, they're not necessarily even binding up brokenhearted. The saints are binding up the brokenhearted. These guys are teaching the saints how to bind up the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. These five are teaching the saints how to bind up the brokenhearted, how to set the captives free. Does it make sense? It'd be equivalent to going to your supervisor and saying, uh, hey, shift leader, you're supposed to be flipping burgers. No, 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 no. I'm supposed to equip you to flip burgers. You see what I'm saying? Why? The whole thing works together. The foreman isn't necessarily doing all that work down there, but they're equipping the workers for the work. See? And it takes a whole lot more saints to get the work done than it does fivefold ministry. See what I'm saying? There's a whole lot more of these people. These are indispensable. Without saints, no work gets done. Without the saints, the work doesn't get done. I'm going to say that again. Without the saints, the work doesn't get done. The kingdom, the scripture says this, pray for the workers of the harvest. For the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Who are the workers? Saints. See? Every saint does the work of teaching. Every saint does the work of shepherding to the level. Every saint does the work of evangelists. Every saint can prophesy. But my point is these there's what watch, watch this. Here's here's what the here's what they do. The teachers teach the word of God. Who can become a teacher? Who can become a teacher though? Is there in my question is this is anyone disqualified no. from becoming a teacher? No. no. What makes a good teacher? A good listener. A good listener. A good follower. Good student. Mm-hmm. If you're a good student, you can become a teacher. Can I show you something really cool? Fivefold ministry builds on top of one another. Yep. You cannot be a shepherd unless you're a teacher first. You cannot be a teacher unless you're a saint first. You cannot. Now, an evangelist, these these other three, they're slightly weird, okay? Because these people, they're dealing directly with your saints. Your evangelists oftentimes are from the saint are from the saints they come right out of the saints but evangelist what is an evangelist someone who brings the good news the gospel the basics of the gospel an evangelist is the basics of the gospel okay the prophets deal with mysteries of your heart and the apostle goes out the word apostle just means to send out means to send out. Uh, these are your pioneers of the faith. They're the ones who go out and start something. They're the ones who, who, while everybody else is at home base, these guys will leave. You see what I'm saying? And they'll go do some work. They'll plant a church. or they'll. Does that make sense? They'll. But the apostle has to be able to train shepherds and teachers. See? Alright. Also, an apostle... How can he go out if he doesn't know how to do the work of evangelist? If the prof, if the apostle can't prophesy, good. and speak vision into someone else's life, an apostle can prophesy into someone else's life and, and bring a calling on their life. Prophets also call out callings in people's lives, but a prophet doesn't necessarily go out and plant and start stuff. Okay, 
Prophet focuses on the heart of an individual or over a nation. And they speak over. That makes sense? So they all build on top of one another. The scripture says that the giftings come by the grace. Grace comes through humility. Promotion comes from the Lord. You can't enter into these areas without promotion from the Lord. God has to give that to you, but you can't get it unless you're humble. Watch this. This is why Jesus gave us the recipe for promotion. He said the servant of all. The servant of all. Until you learn to serve in the work of the ministry as a saint. Until you learn to serve, you won't be able to teach. Until you can serve, you won't be able to shepherd. Until you can serve, you won't be able to do any of these. They all build on one another. Humble yourself as a servant of all, and he will promote you. You see? Are all these? No. Because everybody has a role to play. And you'll never want... You'll never... Watch this. You'll never take for granted the spot you're in now. Listen. If you want to keep moving up and let God promote you... You have to value where you're at right now. If you, listen, if you, it's okay to desire the higher gifts, but that's not what I'm talking about now. I'm talking about envy and strife. I'm talking about, man, I wish I was the one up there preaching. You see what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? If you do not value where you are right now, God won't promote you to the next level. Why? Because you're not giving everything you have to the area you're at right now. Why would he promote a half-hearted job? If you're a teacher, be a teacher wholeheartedly. God only gives... Watch this. Many Many are called, but few are chosen. It's on every level. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's on every level. What does that mean? That means God has called everyone. But he chooses those who humble themselves. All right, I'm going to say that again. Everyone is called, but he chooses those that humble themselves. How do you know whether someone's humble? They're wholehearted in what they do, and they do everything as unto the Lord. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm cleaning up the toilet, I'm cleaning it up for Jesus. If I'm underneath the car, working on a transmission, I'm doing it for Jesus. See what I'm saying? It's a willingness to serve. It's a willingness to get dirty. It's a willingness to do whatever it takes. It's good. It's a good word. Wholeheartedness. Humility. And it's good. If, I'm, if I was going to hire people for a job, all these people would put their applications in. I would call them all. I would call them all. But I would only choose a few. And I'm looking for certain things. I'm looking for a servant. I'm looking for a humble person who receives correction well. See? I would call everyone. Everyone who put their hat, their, their, their name in the hat. I would call them all. But I would only choose a few. Those who love correction and those who want to serve. You see what I'm saying? It's the same for every <coughs> stage in the ministry. Every, every five-fold ministry, God chooses those who've humbled themselves in the area that they're at right now. 
This is why that Bobby Ann didn't teach. I didn't even get to hear it, but I've heard like one message on one, one thing that came, came out of it was, "You want to know the will of God? Start where you're at right now." Why? God will promote you if you start right where you're at right now. Serve wholeheartedly the Lord where you're at right now, and He will put you in the place you're supposed to be, and He will call you. You don't want to run ahead of Him. You want to run ahead of Him? Yeah. Let Him. Let Him do it. Mm. Let him do it. You just do it 100% to your ability right where you're at right now. And that that is really the, that's the heart of God. That's the heart of the kingdom of God. The scripture is very clear about it. Be faithful with the little, and I'll bless you with the more. Don't put limits on God. This is what happens. When we, when we look at the spiritual gifting list, a lot of times we just use it as a limit list. Mm-hmm. Don't limit God. Do your best with what you have now. Believe God for more. And you'll grow in those giftings. Make sense? Powerful stuff. That's why I say 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit and there are varieties of service but the same Lord and there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God watch this, who empowers them all in everything. This is why you people see people who are not in the office of a prophet, but they will prophesy. You see, you can get the gifts, but you may not be in that office. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, just like I'm not in the office of a nursery worker, but I've worked in the nursery. You see what I'm saying? There are people that feel called and have a, a true grace in their life to work in the nursery. Everybody should be able to do it. You know what I mean? See? See what I'm saying when we start saying, well, that's beneath me, or that's above me? Both of that's pride. You know what is yours? What God gives you. What God assigns you. That's what's yours. God always will call you to something that's a little bit too big for you. So, if it's something you want to do because you're like, man, I'd be good at that, and I am going to be comfortable there, probably not called to that. It will take you further and stretch you further. See, God assigns faith to you, which means it's going to bring you to a place of impossibility. Okay? You may have faith for it, and don't get me wrong, sometimes even a season of that where God's going to groom me, yeah. you're like, God told me to go work a job. Well, I knew I could work a job, but also there was a part of me that needed to grow in working at a job. So God was taking me somewhere where I needed to grow, you know, where I needed to provide. I needed to learn to do whatever it took. To, to, to I had to work two jobs, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it taught me a lot about myself, where I was not willing to work hard for something. You know, I mean, I need to get it. I need, I need to work harder, you know. And I didn't realize, you know, because a lot of people that look at ministry and say, oh, well, ministry is easy. What, you prepare a teaching once a week? Oh, that's not that bad, you know. But they don't understand that ministry, the work of the ministry, the fivefold ministry, is very hard work. And it takes a lot of your time. And there is no eight to five, you know. It's, it's much like running your own business, you know. People think, oh, well, if I was a business owner, I'd have all my free time. You don't know free time as a business owner. You're all gone. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons why the Lord told me to go work, <coughs> and why I had to work two jobs, was because it prepared my family for ministry. Because yeah. when I was working at CeCe's, you know, I was working 68 hours a week. Yeah. I was never home, you know. I had to learn how to manage my time with my kids. And then I got into ministry, and the demands were... Ten times worse than at CC's, you know. 
But I had already learned how to be content there. Why? Because I could have said, well, I don't have all this time. Or, well, I could have come up with all these excuses. And the Lord groomed me in that time and said, quit complaining about your job. So when I became thankful, I got a better job. <laughs> the Lord opened another door. You know, but when I, it was only after I stopped grumbling. And that was your training to learn how to categorize things. That's right. I learned how to, 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 to organize people. I learned how to, to deal with people calling in, you know, last minute and not being dependable. I had to learn how to manage my time with my family. So the scripture says that the word favor and grace are the same thing. Same word, favor and grace. It says in the scripture that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. It's the same word. Favor and grace are the same word. God said It says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with man, which doesn't make any sense to me. How can you grow? If you're the son of God, how do you grow in favor with your dad? Right? But there's a mystery there. It says in the scripture that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Okay. If Jesus had to grow in favor with God and man, that means that I need to also grow in favor with God and man. But wait a minute. Favor is unmerited. Grace is God's unmerited favor. I just think that's not a complete understanding of grace. I think that's your initial saving grace is that way because Jesus earned that for you by his sacrifice. You see? But then there's a part of it afterwards where we do grow, grow in grace. And not all grace is given to me right away. And the scripture is clear about that. That grace is given to you, and then grace is given to you, and then grace is given to me. And how do I know this? Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So God has assigned faith to you, which means that he's given you an assignment you're going to have faith for. Okay, that's what that means. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ, watch this, according to the grace given to us. That means that God gives us differing graces. That means that not all grace is the same. Does that make sense? Every, watch this. Every gift from God requires grace. Every gift from God requires grace. The gift of salvation requires grace that you didn't have to pay for. See? But the gift of prophecy requires a different grace. It's the grace of prophecy. See what I'm saying? We have the grace for salvation. Then we have, we have saving grace. We have prophetic grace. We have healing grace. We have words of knowledge grace. See what I'm saying? All these different gifts. This is right here. We have having gifts that differ. So we're talking about the manifold grace of God. Now this is where we get into the spot where we are tempted with this. That's not fair. Why? Because we're taught that grace is unmerited. You don't have to earn it. I don't think that's true when it comes to spiritual gifts. That's not fair. Why does he get to do works and miracles? And he gets to do that, but I only get to do this. Because we have a misunderstanding of the grace of God. Saving grace, your right standing with God, is unmerited. But other grace we grow in by faith, knowledge, and humility. If you don't have the grace for something, it's just because you don't have the knowledge of it yet. How could you ever speak in tongues if you didn't know about it already? Or hear about it. How, you know what I mean? How could you ever prophesy if you didn't know you could do it? 
How could you ever work in miracles if you didn't know you could do it? How could you ever get saved if you didn't know you could get saved? Faith comes by hearing. Oh, oh, faith. You can't have it without faith. Every gift from God comes by faith. How can you have faith if you don't know? How can you receive if you don't submit? How can you have faith without knowledge? How can you receive the gift without submitting? So it's called the manifold grace of God. And Jesus, it says in the scripture, God, Jesus grew in favor with God and man. So therefore, we also must grow in favor. And the scripture talks about, but he gives more grace. I used to think it was just one-time grace. He's going to give me the grace one time. No. The scripture says in James, but he gives more grace. Second Peter says, but may grace be multiplied to you. So grace can be multiplied. God can give us more grace. And we have different types of grace. And it all comes through faith, knowledge, and humility. All right?